For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 12 of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast presented by Blue York on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. We have a great show for you today with the guy that I'm currently watching on my TV screen, Liam McHugh, as I am recording this right in between the third period and the overtime intermission. I do expect Tampa to score on this power play, so if you're listening to this right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning should be the Stanley Cup champions, and I'm hoping that is the case because I am so sick and tired of seeing the Alec Martinez overtime goal against the Rangers played on repeat as the last Stanley Cup clinching overtime goal that there's been. So I'm hoping the Tampa Bay Lightning can erase that from history. Well, not erase it from history, but can just make that go away because as Ranger fans, I know that that is very haunting. But we've got that, and we've got a lot more, so let's get into it. hate to start the show off on a sad note but I do want to just you know give my thoughts and, and my love to Columbus Blue Jackets goalie Matisse Kivlenix for those of you who haven't seen it on social media just a truly horrific accident you know a, a very talented young goalie and I'm sure an amazing young man that was just taken from this world way too soon so I know the entire hockey community is behind the Columbus Blue Jackets and behind Kivlenix and his family and we're all mourning the death today so very tragic and very sad to hear the story of the passing of Matisse Kivlenix, but I'm sure his memory will live on with his teammates and his family and all of his friends. You know, my thoughts are with him and his family. But I do want to talk about my good friend Adam Fox winning the Norris Trophy this past week. I posted a two-minute clip on Twitter right after it happened with my initial reaction, so I'm going to play that rant for you guys right now. Adam Fox. The kid from Jericho, Long Island, the first ever player of Jewish descent to win a major NHL award, the season ticket holder for the New York Rangers when he was growing up, the 23-year-old defenseman just won the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman in the NHL. Two years ago, we were talking about if he would even crack the opening night lineup, and now you fast forward those two years later, he is voted as the best defenseman in the NHL. I don't think Hollywood could write a better script. Do you know how many kids grow up in New York, including me, and including a lot of my friends? We grew up in New York, Long Island, wherever you are from this amazing state of New York, saying that we want to grow up and play for the Rangers. And he just did that, and he won the best defenseman in the NHL. Not only is he playing for the Rangers, he is dominating on the Rangers. He is literally a Hollywood script in real life. I I, I can't even picture it more. It's like, I, I feel like this is Henry Rowengartner playing for the Cubs, except it's, you know, it's, it's a real life thing. 
And for me, especially having the privilege of watching him, you know, play since he was a 10 year old kid playing roller hockey at Skate Safe America, you know, to playing for the Long Island Goals and then going to the NTDP and playing for Team USA, then going to Harvard. And at every level, everyone has always had their doubts about him that he wasn't that good defensively. He wasn't the fastest. But you know what he had that no one ever doubted? This. Every time Adam Fox steps on the rink, he is the smartest guy on the ice out of all 10 players that are out there. And it's funny because me and my dad used to talk about it. If you watch Adam Fox play in a men's league game in the summer, he looks exactly the same as he looks on an NHL ice surface. He is never rattled. He is always the most composed player out there beyond mellow, and it represents who he is as a person. Adam is the most humble guy that I have ever met in my life, especially now that he's voted the best defenseman in the NHL. And guess what? He's still going to be the same exact person that he is. Anyone who has ever met him or has been lucky enough to be one of his teammates has always wanted to see him be successful. I could not be happier that Adam won this award. He is so well-deserving. And I cannot wait to watch him next season and the season after that and to just see how much he grows throughout his career because it has been so much fun to watch him and I can't wait to just continue to do it because we are so lucky to watch him every single night that he's out there. I could not be prouder of my good friend Adam Fox, so well-deserved, and I know his name will be mentioned for the Norris for many years to come, so so awesome to see. As far as the Stanley Cup final goes, I am recording this before the overtime, so I'm going to assume the Tampa Bay won the Cup, but in case Montreal did win in overtime, I still don't think this series goes past five games. Tampa has just shown that they are the much better team in all areas of the sport. Uh, Montreal's luck just seems to have run out a little bit, but you can't knock what they've done. They shouldn't have even made the playoffs when they made it to the Stanley Cup final, so it's been awesome to watch Montreal in this playoff run, but... We all kind of figured the Tampa win this series. Before I go into the interview with Liam McHugh, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Blue York. For those of you who don't know who they are, they're a fan-made brand who makes custom designs, content, and apparel for the blue shirts. Check them out at I Am Blue York on social media and use code Johnny to get 15% off of their website, IamBlueYork.com, I-A-M-B-L-U-E-Y-O-R-K.com. Use code Johnny right now to get all the Rangers merch that you want. But that's about it. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview with Liam. So I'm going to send it over to him now. I'm very excited to be joined by the very popular sportscaster for the NHL and NBCSN, a voice and face that all hockey fans should be familiar with. Welcome to the show, Liam McHugh. Liam, what's going on? Uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. It's good to be chatting with a fellow Long Islander. Yeah, so I was actually going to start off with a beer joke, but I know you're sick of that already. And I know you're all over on Twitter, <laughs> but I did see that you spoke to a good friend of mine, another Long Islander, Jake Asman, the other day. And you were talking about how your kids got to experience a playoff game at Nassau Coliseum. But I want to know how different it is for you as a father, as opposed to being a kid growing up on Long Island, rooting for the Islanders. You may not participate in the asshole chant when you got your young kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We sat, <laughs> we sat a few out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it was funny. Uh, I was definitely, uh, you know, I, I told Jake this too, and I, I really mean it. I, I felt like I was the most nervous person in that building. Uh-huh. Like everyone was on edge. They're trying looking to, you know, eliminate Boston, move on to the next round. People are fired up, but I was just, I was watching my children react to everything. I mean, one of my kids who's six, I think he spent 90% of the game just like looking around at all <laughs> the people. He's like, what is going on here? Uh, mm-hmm. And there were definitely two or three chants, you know, the asshole chant, everything, uh, every, any player that sucked, any, uh-huh. uh, any reference to Boston sucked. I saw like my kid's eyes pop and they just like looked over at me and I'm like, you know, we'll, we'll wait for the let's go Islanders. We'll yeah. wait for that one. Uh, like Boston's a really nice city. It's beautiful. You'll uh-huh. enjoy it someday. We don't have to say that. Uh, it was the perfect game though, to bring my kids because, um, 
you know, like they pulled away in the third period, empty net goals. So it was just like, it was a third period celebration rather than a third period of like anxiety and tension. Uh, and there was a cool moment uh, where we had one Boston Bruins fan in our section. We were way up top. Mm-hmm. And so people were rowdy and yeah, there was definitely some language back and forth, but you know, and I was on edge. I'm like, Oh, is this going to spill over into something physical? Is this going to get nasty? It never did. And then the guy started to leave with like a minute left in the game. And I was like, Oh, this could get ugly. And some like little kid reached out and he was going to say something like, and the guy turned around he's like, Hey, your team was awesome. And he like gave the kid a fist bump. And it was like one of those moments where like, I was so nervous that something horrible was about to go down and it turned out to be great. My kids saw it. They're like, that was cool. And guy walked out. So it was one of the greatest experiences. And then on the walk outside, I'm going to the parking lot. Uh, It's dark. People are celebrating. I see this grumpy sort of guy walk by and I'm like, he walks right past me. I turn around. I go, wait a minute. Was that Mike Francesa? It was the Godfather himself walking by uh, head down, trying to make sure no one noticed him. But, uh, yeah, man, it was a scene. It was a, it was a great time. My kids haven't really haven't stopped talking about. Were you getting recognized at all in the Coliseum? I'm sure a lot of people recognize you now. You know what? It it was uh, it was wonderful. I I did not. Yeah. Uh, it's it probably was, the beard. Yeah, I think it was the beard. I had the mask on for a while. Uh, I'm there with my kids. I have the hat on, glasses. Uh, it's it's great. It's like out of context. I went to another game and I like much fancier seats, and there you're sitting with people who mm-hmm. you know are in hockey, and it's a little different. But it was delightful to, uh, yeah, you go, no one recognizes you, you're with your kids, no one bothers you, no one's telling you that you suck, uh, (laughs) and your kids are are in there wondering why. My kids are too young, like they don't, they've also, they've only known me doing this, Mm -hmm. so uh, they they could not be less impressed with anything that I do. This is just like, I go to work, so I don't think they understand that, like, there are people who just inherently, I pop up on their TV, and they're like, oh, I hate this guy. Uh, So they'll learn that as they get older. No, that that is really funny. I mean, I, like even my you said they're six and seven, your kids six and uh, just turned eight. Yeah, just turned eight. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even remember like, you know, I think my first hockey game, I was probably six or seven years old. And all I remember about the game was like going to ESPN zone before like in, in the city. <laughs> like, I don't even remember anything about the game. So like, you know, I, I hope that, you know, for your kids sake, they're able to remember this, especially, you know, with it being the last year of the Coliseum and, you know, with how insane that crowd was. But as someone who's like, been covering hockey for as long as you have been. And as an Islanders fan, like they're finally relevant right now. Like, is it that much more fun for you to cover a team that you actually care about? It's, you know what, it's cool also because I I live very close to the Coliseum and uh, this town really embraces uh, Islanders hockey. So this run has been like all anyone locally has been talking about, uh, which I think in that respect, it's very cool because my kids are at the bus stop and like all their friends are talking about the Islanders game. Uh, and so I think they now have a little bit more of a feel of what it is that I do because they'll go to school and, you know, one of their friends will be like, Oh, I saw your dad last night. I was watching the game and huh. my kids are now a little bit more into it. So um, that, that resonates a lot, but uh, you know, in a way that it did not before this. Uh, but I would say for me, you know, it is, it, it's great to just have them be a story, be relevant and be something that everyone on Long Island is talking about because when I was very little during the, uh, you know, run of four straight cups, mm-hmm. but I remember it. And I remember they were Kings, like they were everything. And then I remember essentially, you know, they just vanished. They were there, but no one really went to games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was a kid in high school, uh, I mean, you're a Rangers fan, the Rangers won the 
cup when I was in high school. Exactly. There's <laughs> yeah. Leach right there. And you know what? And, and outside that, it was really like the Knicks were a big story because, yeah. you know, it was always Ewing and falling short to Jordan. And that's all people talked about. Uh, and then it became, you know, the Yankees and the Mets. And, but it just was never about the Islanders. So it's been pretty cool to see them like, you know, p- uh, plastered on the back pages of the newspapers in New York. And uh, in my opinion, you know, they get a great team. They have the best GM and they have the best coach in New York sports. Yeah. So it's, it's great that they're going to be relevant for a while going forward. I do respect Barry Trotz, but I, w- I would put Tom Thibodeau in that argument, though. I, I'm a big Knicks fan. Oh, I think you have to. I yeah, think you have, you have to. to. Uh, have and, to. <laughs> and it's funny because and – and I love the Knicks. Um, uh-huh. And I, so many people wanted to bang on the Knicks because of the early playoff uh, exit. But now we look at Atlanta, yeah. and it's like, oh, Atlanta's really good. Yeah. And maybe the Knicks just weren't that good at all, uh-huh. and Thibodeau got them to a level that they otherwise could not. No, it's nice to have, like, an adult in the room coaching the Knicks. And yeah. – uh, uh, it's, it's been a strange turnaround where like all these teams when I was a kid, like they all matter now mm-hmm. and uh, I get to enjoy them a little bit more. And I, I would say that I don't cover the Knicks and I don't cover, I don't cover basketball and I don't cover baseball. So I wound up enjoying those a lot more. Um, so the Knicks run was great. And, you know, the Mets uh, anytime and yeah. you know, we're, we're talking and I'm DVR in the game because we're going to watch. Yeah. I'm going to watch, uh, you know, anytime Jake DeGrom pitches, I feel like, uh, you know, for me, it's like when I was when I was younger, it was like Maddox. Uh, oh. I would I would watch every time Greg Maddox pitched, even though I hated the Braves. I just had to watch him pitch. It's so interesting though, because you're so active on Twitter. Like, how could you DVR a game? Are you not going to check Twitter tonight and see the final score? It's terrible. Yeah. And like, I'm uh, you know, I, I'm trying not to be a dinosaur. I'm trying to stay up with technology. Uh, but I like never turn my alerts off my phone. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, did someone text me? And I look, and it's like the result of the game. I'm like, damn it! Like, this, <laughs> it's like it's the worst. Yeah, I, I I love soccer. I grew up playing. Like the Euros have been so great. So uh, my kids are going to school. I'm now going to camp. So I'm trying to DVR games. And there's nothing worse than knowing the result yeah. of a soccer like match. And I'm not going to go back and watch it. No. I, I have these grand aspirations. I have like four matches DVR, and I'll never watch any of them now because I know how they ended. Uh, so no, there are plans to do those things. I will watch the Mets game though. <laughs> well, I, I won't give a spoiler. I do know the score right, right now, but I won't say anything. Oh. But uh, something that I actually did find super interesting that you said um, with Jake again last night, um, talking about the Stanley Cup final, and I really did not want Montreal to make it simply because of the fact that there's 3,500 people in the building, and you know everyone kind of wanted to see the Vegas atmosphere in the final. But um, it has not felt like a Stanley Cup final to me at all through the first two games. And I know you talked about that. What are your thoughts on Montreal making it? Because it doesn't do the NHL justice having them in the final and not having people in that building because every hockey player you talk to, one of the scariest places to play is Montreal. Exactly. And, and they're not going to, like, it, it kind of, like, I wanted Vegas Islanders simply because the atmosphere would feel something that we haven't felt in the last year and a half, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I've, I've been to Vegas for a final, and uh, it's, it's such a unique atmosphere because it really is a Vegas show. And then that leads into the game. I mean, everything is big budget and big production. Uh, but yeah, the one thing is uh, that's strange about all this is that my first Stanley Cup final was back in 2011. It was Vancouver and the Boston Bruins. Great atmospheres, both um, seven-game series. That series was sick. Incredible. You know, yeah. and I, I remember, like, you know, after two games, Vancouver, like, uh, the fans flooded the streets and celebrated like they'd won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, obviously, we saw the scene after game seven in Vancouver. <laughs> different scene. 
but all I wanted, you know, people ask the last couple of years, like, you know, where would you like to go for a Stanley Cup final? And we've been spoiled, right? Because we've got Chicago against Boston, New York against LA. We've got some great American matchups, yeah. great American cities. I wanted one in Montreal so badly. I wanted to be there because we usually, we travel for it. We broadcast from the arena. Uh, the fans are so passionate. They react to every little play. They are so into the game and they're knowledgeable. And now we get it. We don't get the atmosphere. What makes it kind of worse is that there's a better atmosphere outside the arena, Yeah, uh, which is just a strange contrast where we're constantly showing those fans and then inside it's empty. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, it's a, you know, it's a downer. It's a bummer. It's a reminder of what's been happening to us for the last year plus uh, it is the reality and it stinks, but I will say this. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Canadians mm -hmm. that Tampa Bay goes into an arena and it's just strange. You know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, it's not a lot of life in here. It's, it's a little quiet. You can hear each other talk. It's going to be different for them. It's a different type of home ice advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's the worst thing uh, because you almost take away the big game feel which stinks TV wise, yeah. but maybe, you know, maybe Tampa Bay sleepwalks through a period or two for them and Montreal can make this a series. No, I completely agree. I actually thought, I thought Montreal was going to steal at least one game in Tampa, but you know, that should have won game two. Should have won game two. They're better. They were the better team in game two by far, but uh, on the night after what Vasilevsky didn't get the Vesna, mm -hmm. uh, which he should have won because mm -hmm. he's the best goalie in the world. He went out and said, uh, you know, without saying it said, well, I am the best goalie in the world. And then Blake Coleman scored a goal that apparently no one else in the world scores except Blake Coleman. He does it every year. Did you see that? He, he scored like a, a goal exactly like that for Miami, Ohio in college. I, we went back. I was amazed. Our video people are incredible. And uh -huh. uh, another reason why, like, and I know the product's going to be good on the other networks. We have some people working on this. They're so good. They were on it instantly. And we had the goal from Miami, Ohio. We had the goal uh, with the Devils. We had the goal last year with Tampa Bay. And then right into the goal this year. And they were they nailed it. They were on it. Uh, but it's just bizarre. He even said it after in the press conference. He was asked about it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know why this <laughs> keeps happening. It just keeps happening. Didn't he? He also had like that one-handed goal, I think, like two years ago. That was the Jersey one. Yeah, that, that one, yeah, that one's that insane. Um, uh -huh. This one was just a matter of like, I mean, the timing of it all. Yeah. Uh, you know, less than a second remaining, his team being dominated, and all of a sudden they're winning. Mm -hmm. Especially going to the third period, yeah, that goal like changes the entire entire game. It changes. Yeah, I think it changes the entire series. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I I don't know that Montreal comes back from that. I completely agree, and I, I didn't want to talk about the transition so much, but I do want to know, like, just out of curiosity, the moment that comes to mind in like your ten years at NBCSN. You know, what what game were you guys like up late night in the studio? Because I've always <laughs> wondered too, like as the host and like you know uh, the guys who do the intermission and stuff. When these games are going like triple overtime, quadruple overtime, like. Like, how the hell do you guys stay awake and, and like literally keep yourself locked into the game? Because, you know, me as a fan and as locked in as I am, like, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's uh, – I would say a, a few series definitely stand out. I, I think about the, uh, the Rangers-King series mm -hmm. only because uh, it was the – my son had been born the year before, so we had a one-year-old. We're exhausted like sleep training trying to and i'm flying like coast to coast for games and i come back and like i'd see my wife and she's like you know she's like my god she's like, slept in days <laughs> like uh and then i go to the game and i remember we go back to la and it goes to overtime and all i'm thinking is like my god if new york wins they're gonna go back to new york they're gonna win game six i'm gonna fly back <laughs> to la and i remember i looked over at jonesy i'm like 
I, I can't do this. I, I can't do it anymore. It's uh, like, I, I, I said, I hate, I was like, LA's got to score here. And uh, Alec Martinez comes up with that goal. And I remember that. And all of a sudden I remember like having a surge of energy to do the post game where like, I, you know, I think outside of like the Kings, I was the happiest guy on the broadcast. Um, <laughs> and that was a weird series because mm-hmm. it felt like in many ways, uh, the team that was better in a lot of the games lost. So, I mean, the Rangers were very good and easily could have won that series. Um, but there's that. Uh, there's definitely last year in the bubble, uh, the Columbus Tampa Bay marathon game. And that's kind of a funny one because, you know, we were doing games at like noon and then just going all night. And I was in for a shift where like, I was literally on for like 13 hours, but I was on the same game for like, you know, seven of them. And they just kept rotating analysts because their shifts were over. So like by the end, I was on with two totally different people that started (laughs) the game. So we we're going back and just showing the differences. I think I ate three meals during the game. Uh, and then, you know, it's great to just have, I've been working with Jonesy for, uh, you know, over a decade now. He played in one of the longest hockey games ever. Uh, and he talks, you know, he's, he's, he's got great stories about how they ate every piece of food available in mm-hmm. the building during, you know, an overtime game. And how uh, the game-winning goal score was scored when he was on the ice, but he was exiting the ice on a line change and didn't even see it. He just watched no everyone celebrate it. Yeah, but he said he's like my skate was technically on the ice, so I got a plus. The plus yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> that's uh, all that matters. Yeah, oh, he's pumped up. He's like, check the score sheet. It's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, and I would say it's funny. Like it, it becomes you become really close with the people you work with because you you spend such a ridiculous amount of time with them and. It is in the best possible way, uh, a locker room atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say it's a welcoming locker room atmosphere, but it's definitely, you know, it can be raw and it can, uh, you, you're like brothers. You get on each other's nerves, you pick on each other, you make fun of each other. And I spend more time with them than I spend with my family in the spring usually. Uh, and I, when I come home, that's the other thing my wife says, because like, I'll have a sharp tongue. I'll be wising off. I'll be saying things. And my wife's like, all right. It's like clearly like way too much time with Jonesy and Milbury this spring. Uh, so like, you got to tone it down a little bit when you come here. Like we've got toddlers walking around. I don't know if you can really answer this question, but do you guys ever do like some friendly wagers on the games when you're in the studio? Uh, I do not because, uh, Jonesy, uh, I mean, now the sports gambling is basically out there. I mean, Jonesy knows what he's doing. Like Uh he's, and here's the other problem. Jonesy and Edzo are, uh, horse racing guys. Mm -hmm. So, and they are into it. They are, you know, they're handicapping things. They are not arbitrarily throwing money away. So to me, there was no way in hell that I'd ever do a friendly wager with anything because it wouldn't be friendly. I'd just be handing them money. Yeah. So no. <laughs> and, and you know what? The other thing is like, for me, I, uh, I don't ever want to feel annoyed at either side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. One of the things I've had fun with on Twitter is like, like I hate everyone's favorite team. I, 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 and I bring that up only because what happens is during the course of a game or during the course of a series, I get so much complaints, but I get so many complaints from both sides. It's like, Oh, <laughs> like, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, yeah. So like, if I hate both sides, well, then that's neutral. And, uh, I, I don't want to have any tie to this. I mean, like I went to the Islanders game and it was great. It was a run, but I have no emotional tie. Like if the Islanders are out, the Islanders are out. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a good run. It's over. And, uh, you know, we all move on.
You're rooting for the refs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the only person doing yeah. that. Uh, well, they've been taking a beating I, this playoff. Yeah, they've been taking a beating. Yeah, and you know what? I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for the refs again. The most difficult sport to officiate, uh-huh. far and away. First off, let's just put it out there: they're ice skating with professional athletes and let's no rest, just, and no rest. Skating up and down. The linesmen are breaking up fights. Breaking <laughs> up fights is part of the job description. Uh, I mean, and they're not just them like, oh, you were fighting, you're thrown out of the game. They're going to decide, all right, well, how long is this guy going to sit? Like, I mean, is this a major? There's so many different things. Uh, yeah, listen, that being said, there are definitely times you get to complain and there are definitely mm-hmm. calls that were missed and maybe some things that were unfair. But sorry, the hardest sport to officiate. Give me a Major League Baseball umpire. Uh, and put him on skates and let's see him go down up and down the ice with Connor McDavid a few laps. It actually is so funny also because you think about like the other major sports and the NBA when guys like even breathe on a referee, they get a technical. And the MLB, you know, MLB, the manager comes out and like maybe curses out the ump and then he gets thrown out. And then what's more about football? I mean, I don't know if like players really yell at refs in football, but coaches do. Coaches Coaches do. Yeah. No, they take abuse. In but in league. hockey, yeah, in hockey, yeah. you can like, like I love watching the HBO twenty four seven stuff, and like guys yeah. just like motherfuck the ref the entire game. And I was like, oh, it's, that's on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no it, it's it's I love it because it's like yeah. in many ways it's just there's it's off your you, know, you just dust off your shoulder and you move uh-huh. on, right? Like uh, nobody takes it that personally. Yeah, it's but insane. it's the, the banter is amazing. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love it. It's it's an incredibly difficult sport to officiate, uh, and frankly, I. Just the fact that they're on the ice and they don't get injured more often, yeah. uh, I'm amazed. I mean, it's confined space, and guys are—they don't care that you're in the way. You know that, like no. you're running right through you, dude. Being a linesman's like—I think the biggest nightmare of all time. When when you have when you have a defenseman <laughs> lining up for a slap shot to rim it around the boards, and the line is just standing right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're invisible to that, uh-huh. right? Like exactly. I mean, no one is even considering your health or your feelings in that moment. No. Literally, literally not at all. But I I also I do want to talk to you about like some changes that the NHL has been making and can continue to make. One thing that I would love to see happen, and I know like we're kind of, you know, the NHL is going back to ESPN TNT. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of white jerseys being worn on home ice. Like I I think that's like such a classic thing. And I would love to see that come back and maybe like teams wear their alternate jersey on home ice every now and then. But I was I'm obviously like there's a Rangers podcast fan. The Rangers white uniform to me is so much nicer than the blue one. What do you think about like the NHL transitioning back to that? I like that for all sports. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I I think it's it's traditional, it's classic, and it's just one of those things where for me uh, it simplifies it, right? Like you turn on the game, you know who's home immediately, uh, yeah. especially if it's a national game. Uh, no, I like it a lot. Uh, I mean, they're already going away from traditional things with having. You know, there are logos on the uh, obviously ads on the helmet. And those are here to stay. And that's fine. I don't even mind it. I don't yeah. even notice. I, don't, I, don't like like, I kind of uh, like it better. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's I don't think it's ever going to get to the point where it's like, uh, you know, European football, where mm-hmm. you have like a patch with your team on it. And it just says Chevrolet across yeah. your jersey. Like, it's never going to get to that. Uh, so, no, I, I do like that. And I love the traditional jerseys. And I liked the idea that they tried the reverse retro. Uh, I thought it was funny that the Islanders basically just produced the exact same jersey and said, "Here, this is almost slightly different, yeah. uh, different shade of blue." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there were some that were cool. I mean, they're trying and they're reaching out and they're trying to. I think you're trying to bring a young audience in, and that's cool. They need to. But uh, now I love the traditional, your original six, especially if you're, uh, you know, one of the original six teams, an old school team. 
if you stick to those, I'm all for it. What one more change that I wanted to bring up that I would love to see, and I'm sure your opinion is going to be the same about this because it's, I think it's the stupidest thing the NHL has done in a while is the divisional playoff matchups. Like, just go back to the one to eight. Like, I, I don't get what was wrong with that. I know they wanted to like build more rivalries, yeah. but for me, and especially after this year when all these teams only played each other for the entire season, like it, I, I needed to go back to one to eight because they're especially now the Montreal Canadiens wouldn't have even made the playoffs. No, no. Uh, I, I want one through eight as well. Uh, I, under, I understand the idea and you're trying to build up rivalries a little bit more, but the, most of these rivalries are, are, you know, either they're there because they're generational or they've been built up over you know, decades mm-hmm. or they're built purely because of odd playoff matchups deep into the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Where you had to beat someone. And I think right away we knew it wasn't going to work out that well, uh, when you had Pittsburgh and Washington as two of the best teams and they were constantly meeting and you knew that they couldn't meet with a shot to go to the Stanley cup final, And that was a problem. I mean, so you have Sidney Crosby you have Alexander Ovechkin, two of the most marketable stars out there in their primes, both of their teams, Stanley cup contenders. Uh, and they would have to meet in a division before meeting to go to the state before meeting someone else to go to a Stanley cup final. And it was going to be an issue. Uh, I like one through eight. I even like the idea of, uh, you know, opening it up and reseeding it at some point, you know, um, I think that's a possibility as well. But I remember a few years ago, it also was a bad look. The, uh, when the Islanders won their first playoff series in forever and John DeBarra scored that goal, Uh they dumped on the final bet. They basically decided we are not going to win. Oh, I remember that. So that we can play the Florida Panthers in the first round. The Florida Panthers won the division. We'll be the wild card. We don't want to play the other teams. We would prefer to play the Florida Panthers, and they went out, they beat them. John DeBarra scored the goal, and the Islanders made it to the second round. So you cannot have teams at that point basically dumping. There's also this, and I love this idea. Jonesy and I have talked about it a million times. This was uh, his idea, or he stole it from someone, and he just doesn't want to give them credit, which is entirely possible considering it's Jonesy. But I I love the idea that uh, I I love pick your opponent. Pick your opponent. Um, you basically start top seeds just based on points, mm-hmm. right? But if you're the one seed, you can pick who you play. Uh, you're you're probably not going to the next available. Like, well, if you're then the two would go unless you decide to pick the two. I mean, and you just go down, and it's essentially a draft. That's crazy. That's yeah, that's a crazy idea. And it's not an idea that'll work. It's it's so not a hockey idea. Yeah, because guys don't like to call each other out. Uh, and, and there's, I mean, we, we ran into that problem just simply with like an all-star draft guys felt bad for like certain guys and didn't want to pick them last, mm-hmm. but I love that idea. I mean, I just, right before the playoffs, this idea that you could have like, or, or you have the top, you know, top four teams picking their opponents from the next four. Uh, oh. I, I love that. It would be great TV. I mean, we'd get better ratings for that. We get for a game. I was going to say, what's really cool about that is how many of the picks would backfire. And then it's, it's you know. the best. You want to <laughs> like, build a rivalry. They chose you yeah. because they thought you were the worst team available. You beat them and went on. Uh, it's you'll never hear the end of it. Never. I, I like, I, I just, the first thing that came to my mind was like the, obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, like, Oh my God. Cause they would have picked the Canadians probably 100% <laughs> pick the Canadians up three, one lost the series. Done. I mean, as if it really, how could you have made that worse? That is the only way you could have made that. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. that is, no, that's a, that's a great idea. I don't think it'll ever happen. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, we have a lot of ideas that'll never happen, yeah. which is, you know, 
really the story of the NHL and NBC. I actually, I would love to run an idea that will never happen by you that I've talked about on this podcast. I should, I talked about it with Kenny uh-huh. Albert. I, I would love the NHL to make a red zone channel and have it like just, but, but like, uh, you know, yeah. one, one night a week have like 10 games, but call it the NHL ozone where it's all power plays and you're just going it's, live games, power plays. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I like that happen. idea. I, no, no, it won't. But, um, <laughs> but it'll be right there with the draft. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll table these two ideas. Uh, that, that is actually perfect. I mean, there's so many sports that aren't tailor-made for this football so different, so mm-hmm. unique in that. Uh, but yeah, we have those nights, right? We have those Tuesday nights where like basically the whole league is playing and I love those nights actually working because we do a later game and we're doing an hour pregame. We're just live looking, but we're cherry picking. We're essentially yeah. like, we're able to do that a little bit. It's just not as clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're not equipped to just bang from game to game because we still have to actually talk about our game and do some interviews and keep our audience, uh, you know, happy as we build up to our action. I love that. Um, I, I don't well, see it happening. If you want to pitch it, I'll take half. The no, no. You, you listen, I, I like that. Uh, if, if, if I can get half, that's the, this, <laughs> I, I'm, we're recording this, right? Yeah, 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 Beautiful. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you're in, you're in. Good. Done. Um, so before I go into questions from listeners, I got one more for you just about the NHL awards. You already mentioned Andre Vasilevsky, which, you know, we both know he should have won the Vesna. Mm-hmm. Were there any other award winners that surprised you? I obviously want you to say Adam Fox because <laughs> podcast, and he's my friend, but uh, and he's a long out. Yeah. Was that a surprise uh, to you? I, w- I wasn't that surprised because I thought the momentum was really building for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he had a fantastic season. You know, he's, he's a brilliant young player. Um, there were, I will tell you, there were some, rumblings from people in hockey that they didn't think uh he, he deserved it i think there are some people that still question his defensive game relative to maybe like victor hedman but if you know if that's your only complaint then you had an, you know a truly terrific season and i think there's also just the idea that they didn't make the playoffs people get yeah. bent out of shape about that but i would also say the rangers make the playoffs in pretty much any other division except for the mm-hmm. division they were in so uh no i didn't have a problem with that I can't say I had a huge problem with Vasilevsky not winning, uh, but I still believe Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the game. Um, So uh, I I don't know. I, 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 the one stat that I kept coming back to, I I think I saw this on NHL network uh, where McDavid won his second MVP before he was 25. And they had like other players who had done that as well. And Ovechkin had done that. And then they had Kretzky and he had won it six times. Before he was 25. 25. Six out of seven years, probably. It was was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It was was like laughable. But no, Fox. And I think the cool thing is, I mean, now you have somebody who year in, year out is going to be a potential finalist for that award in New York, Mm -hmm. which, and it's so cool. I mean, the guy grew up on Long Island. Now he's doing this for the Rangers. Yeah. It's it's great. I said it in the intro to this episode. It's literally a Hollywood, it's a Hollywood script. Like it's, I, the comparison I actually made was Henry Rowengardner and Rookie of the Year, but that's like <laughs> not even close. Like was, that was that was a fluke. But uh, <laughs> we, we do have some questions uh, from listeners. Stanley Brenner, he wants to know: Does Pierre Maguire have the greatest memory in all of hockey, or possibly just just the entire world? Yeah, uh, it's it's freaky, right? Uh, I mean, and it's detailed. Like you know, it's, he doesn't just tell you like where someone's hometown is, but like gives you like fun facts about the hometown and details and specific what it's like in specific seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's, it's a strange hockey encyclopedic memory that uh, he's, he's very quick to draw on and uh, definitely makes him unique. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he actually went on a, one of my friends' podcasts like a couple months ago. I listened to it, and he was even just like how he addresses them. You know, like just two guys he didn't even know. Yeah. But like he always uses the first name. Like it, I don't know. It was it was just a crazy thing that I've like never really heard before of him just like addressing everyone like first name last name like their kids names their wife's names like like it was insane but uh yeah yeah uh and and i don't really get that because like i have a hard enough time like just getting the names right of everyone in the league uh Mm -hmm. and then i switch sports so often that i'm like you know all of a sudden i'm doing premier league and i'm trying to learn a bunch of names for sheffield united so yeah that's uh (laughs) yeah but now pierre's pierre's got a strange gift So another question from Alex Wax. Did you grow up playing hockey and who was your favorite team and player growing up? Uh, I did not grow up playing hockey. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, on Long Island. Uh, I played pretty much every other sport. As I mentioned, when I was a kid, very little, the Islanders were good. And I had like some brief interest in it. Uh, you know, we were kind of working class. My dad grew up in Brooklyn. My mom's from Queens and I remember him. He's like, uh, and, you know, I'm much older than you guys. And hockey was different. It was like really hard to, find ice or anything that he's like ah it's a sport for like rich kids and kids who live up north and i was like all right and he's like here's a basketball and a soccer ball go go, play. go kick it around yeah it's like yeah figure it out so that was pretty much the end of that uh but i would say god for a while it was probably pat lafontaine um because that was sort of wheelhouse my age he was the islander for a while uh so yeah i'd say lafontaine but i was a kid i do recall like putting like the old cheap pads on to play street hockey and uh pretending i was billy smith so. it's so funny that you said pat. i actually i played for pat's brother for for two years and i'm friends with danny pat's son from Long oh Island, cool Long Island hockey so it's cool that you said pat lavontaine yeah, um, yeah that's really cool so uh the final question just to wrap it up and this one i'm really curious to hear your thought i uh i've talked to steve hers before who you know very well yeah sure uh, steve i'm friendly with he came on my other podcast but you know he told me that he got al trotwig in the movie cool runnings so will we ever see you in a Hollywood movie? And if there was one that you would have wanted to be in, what movie would that be? Where you wow. like play yourself, where you play yourself, obviously. Where I play myself as, yeah. oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I, I, well, I would predict if I'm predicting, it will never happen. So, <laughs> okay. um, uh, a lot of things that like are great things. That just well, I had a, listen, I had a brief role on a show with the rock, but he hasn't called me to be, to be that. in any of the fast and furious movies. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, our, our time was brief, uh, but uh, I don't know. That's a great question. I My kids would, it's funny, they are like, they discover the Mighty Ducks this year. Uh, the, the, uh, the show or the movie? All of it. Uh, they're just tearing through everything. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah, every iteration, uh, movies, sequels, and then the show. So I would say if they bring it back, and we do another full length motion picture. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the one be I cool. would like to be in there as Liam McHugh live from some rank where someone's shooting the knuckle puck. And, uh-huh. uh, my, uh, that would be like maybe the only way I'd be able to impress my kids that or a brief cameo in like a Ted Lasso episode. Would be I've nice. actually never seen that. I, oh, I know I, everyone says it's the best show on TV right now. You know what? It got so hyped up. I thought it wasn't going to live up to it. It's great, man. It is great. It. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend. And it's like, it, it's bizarrely funny and positive all at once, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'm pretty cynical and I didn't think that was possible, uh, but no, <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. I've only yeah. heard it's unreal. And I've, I've, I don't know why I've put it off. I'm like, I really struggle at like starting new shows. Like I've been watching now that the office is not on Netflix anymore. I've, I've actually <laughs> just, been, I honestly, now I just watch the Angel network at night. So that's what I've been doing. I haven't even started a new show, but um 
no, I've heard Ted Lasso is incredible. No, get on it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Fully recommend. Of course you have to get like 19 different services to watch yeah. all the shows you want to watch at this point. So yeah, yeah it's, it's almost like cable. It's yeah. insane. It's yeah. insane. But Liam, I want to thank you so much. Seriously. This was awesome. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully you can get to Montreal. I don't think you're traveling there though. Right. Is that no, nah, we'll be in the studio for all of it, but, uh, you know, it, it's, the next best thing. So we'll mm. see what happens. Well, I look forward to watching you in, well, we're recording this before game three. So game three on Friday night. All right, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you. I want to thank Liam McHugh once again for coming on the show. And literally as I hit record for this, Josh Anderson just scored an overtime for Montreal. So just completely ignore what I said in the intro to this episode. That's all I've got for today's episode, but I love when you guys write in questions, so don't be shy. Send me an email, believeinrangers at gmail.com, B-L-E-A-V-I-N, rangers at gmail.com. I love asking fan questions when I have a guest on, and I also love talking about topics that you guys want to hear me talk about, so don't be shy. Send your questions. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. I will talk to you guys next week after Tampa wins the Stanley Cup. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.